listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for football season. I can't believe that we've gone almost nine months without talking about Maryland football in great detail but we're going to now because the season is beginning on Saturday. It's very exciting. This is the 53rd episode of the Testudo Times podcast, and the gang's all here. Alex Kirshner is back. Hello, Alex. Are you excited for your first Maryland football season now that you and I have graduated? Uh, yeah, I'm always excited to cover this football program. I think we're going to have a, a good time and a, a good year doing that, and uh, the, the product on the field will be what it will be. It's going to be a lot more fun than years past. Probably because I don't think, the ex- A, the expectations aren't there, and B, everybody's kind of excited for what is this program going to look like. It's going to be fun. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt that there's a certain element of excitement that hasn't been there in the recent past. I wonder if that has anything to do with Randy Edsel not being there. By the way, Dave Tucker said that he got to say, Hi, Coach Edsel, at the Lions-Ravens preseason game recently, which I found very entertaining. So, uh, Ryan Connors is also here. Hi, Ryan. How excited are you about the new season? I, of course, am very excited. Uh, it's been a long time. DJ Jerkin most weeks. That's very exciting. Yeah, it'll be cool. DJ, a lot of, lot of, lot of other people. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. It's been, it's been a long off season. I'm ready to do something. I'm ready you know, to have something. We've to been, talk. we've, we've been writing a lot of previews, and you know, I'm ready to write about something that's actually happened. I'm just ready to talk about something on this podcast that didn't just be freestyling for 30 minutes, hoping that somebody will listen to it. <laughs> Eh, we could try. And Thomas Kenzior is also here. He's going to be writing about football quite a bit, as you've already seen. Thomas, welcome to the gang. How excited are you for the new season? I'm definitely excited. I mean, you know, it's my first taste of it. I'll probably be the youngest person covering it, you know, anywhere from that press box. So, you know, that's something to live up to, I guess. Well, I mean, that's a that's a record, I guess. You're the youngest person there. <laughs> it's cool. We think it is. I, unless... There were, we, we think that we've had the youngest person there. Well, certainly we did a few years ago. Um, and I, I think, and unless something predates us, but I don't think so because there hadn't been too many other outlets that had college students covering it. I think it had just been Besides the, Diamondback, the Diamondback. The Diamondback, which we love. The Diamondback, which has a, a lot of great friends of ours. Yes. Um, yeah, it's a big task for Thomas. We believe in Thomas, though. We think he can do this. We wouldn't be giving you this job okay. if we didn't have full and complete faith in you. Certainly. Just like... Just like uh, DJ Durkin has a lot of faith in freshmen, as we found out when the Two Deep was released today. Today being, of course, Monday night before the week of the Howard game. So let's start by driving right into the Two Deep. There aren't many surprises, but there are some interesting notes here and there. I want to start with the quarterbacks, because you have to start with the quarterback when we talk about football, Alex. It's Perry Hills' job. I don't think any of us are surprised by that. I don't know what the extent of Caleb Rowe's injury, but the fact that Max Bortenslager and Tyrell Pigrome are both listed below Perry Hills, it, it tell, what does that tell you? Uh, well, I think it tells you, first of all, that, you know, uh, you know Caleb Rowe isn't entirely healthy at the moment. Uh, I think Maryland's always liked Tyrell Pigrome a lot in particular, and Max Bordenschlager has been the guy who we haven't really talked about at all, uh, just because he's A, a freshman, uh, and well, B, Pigrome is also a freshman. Right, but you have to let me, you have to, you have to let me finish. He's <laughs> a freshman, and B, doesn't bring anything too terribly new stylistically like Pigrome does with being the athlete that he is, the mobile quarterback that he is. Um, so I think people have just assumed that Borden Schlager would have to 
wait his turn. But it, it could be a situation where, where Bordenschlager sees some time uh, in the relatively near future, particularly if, if injuries intercede. I'm not sure how healthy Caleb Rowe and Gage Schaefer are. Um, I, part of it just might, it might be they're playing Howard here, and there's no need to uh, no need to load up with guys who aren't completely healthy. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, I think I think it'll be a big job for Perry Hills, and I think he can do a better job this year than he did last year. Ryan, we've talked about this on this show before, and how Perry Hills fits the uh, Walt Bell offense very well because of his ability to run. There aren't going to be asking him to throw the ball deep all the time, as in years past. So I think that kind of suits him. But since there is an angry Maryland quarterback hating God, and in my time watching Maryland football, I have seen a linebacker play at quarterback, not Shane Cockrell, but the other way around. Uh, at what point do you think we see somebody else, excluding if Maryland's beating Howard by 50, and at that point I think we will, but you have to assume that we're going to see somebody else besides Perry Hills at some point. Are we going to see a direct dedicated package for Tyrell Pagrom? Are we going to maybe see a complete change of the job if it's going very badly in October? How do you think this is all going to play out? Uh, I mean, I think the most likely scenario is that you got Perry Hills as the starter all season, and then I think... I think Pagrom probably gets some plays here and there, honestly. I think he has too much athletic ability for the team not to take advantage of it. Um, I, the, the other argument would be, well, don't put him in for a couple plays and just, like, when he could just redshirt the season anyway. But um, I, th- I think um, Hill probably has it, and I don't think anyone else is going to come that close. Um, I think, you know, you, th- there's an argument that Caleb Rowe could potentially come in occasionally when you somewhat, when need someone who could really throw a deep ball. But uh, then again, when that happens, then it'd be, you'd, you'd almost be telegraphing your move, I feel like. Um, so I, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's Perry Hills' job probably, probably all year. I also probably. feel, as a follow-up to that, I don't think this offense is going to be really tailored towards deep passing. And I don't know if Maryland has the deep threats that they've had in years past. So they have a lot of game breakers in terms of speed, so they aren't going to be asking Perry Hills to do all that much. So that's why I don't think Caleb Rowe is going to be playing all that much unless it goes completely wrong for Perry Hills or he gets hurt that's that that's just my theory I, I think so and and I mean we've you know we've wrote and talked about this before but Hills just seems to fit what Walt Bell wants the most just the fact that he and Pagrom are two are clearly the two best running quarterbacks and Pagrom's passing ability it seems probably not developed enough and Hills has had the chance to be in college this is his fifth season he that experience obviously I'm sure is going to help. He's thrown a lot of passes, Thomas. What are your thoughts on the quarterback situation? Do you think anything else is going to come up besides what we've talked about already? I think Perry Hills is going to you know just keep the job really. Um, you know it's an offense really tailored for him I think, and we might see some of Pagrom. Um, you know when Caleb Rowe and Gage Schaefer get healthy, we might see one or both of them at some point, but. Um, I think it's clear that, you know, they want it to be Hills right now. And, you know, at least for the time being with that soft schedule early, you know, there's no reason to see him, you know, losing the job early. I don't think that there's any reason, unless Maryland's winning by 50, which is very possible against Howard and plausible in other games going down the line where we could I see. You will see multiple quarterbacks on Saturday. I yeah. Oh, I don't doubt that at all. And that's, that's a good thing because it means Maryland's winning by a lot which I don't yes. think will surprise us. Uh, I want to move on to the skill positions now. We've talked a bit about these players quite a bit because there's a lot of intrigue at these positions with all of the 
player movement and the transition from year to year. Uh, the Two Deep has some very interesting notes on it. Uh, first at running back, Alex. We Not surprising that Ty Johnson is the starter with West Brown missing the first three games. Uh, Trey Edmonds is his backup. And then you've seen Kenneth Goins and Jake Funk. Lorenzo Harrison is not listed, but I don't think we aren't going to see him at some point. And again, we I like just the amount of diversity that Maryland has in the backfield as well as just the ability to throw a lot of different things at you. And again, when you're running an offense at Walt Bells, which runs at light speed, which we haven't really seen at Maryland all that much, you kind of need a ton of personnel. And I, I think Maryland's got a very interesting running back group here, and it's going to be exciting to watch them. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great running back group uh, when everybody's healthy. I mean, I, I don't say, I suppose even calling it a great group might be uh, a bit strong on my part, but I, I guess what I mean to say is that the depth really is great. Uh, I think that there's a lot of options here. Uh, that can play at a power five level and do it pretty well. Uh, I'm a big fan of Ty Johnson's. He's really fast. It uh, seems like he's a pretty strong runner too, and showed a ton of explosiveness last year when he got in the game. We didn't see enough of him. That was we didn't one of my see a ton of him, but, but we certainly saw, especially in the last game of the year at Rutgers, uh, he took an option pitch from Caleb Rowe, something like 40 yards down the sideline, where it felt like he never had more than a few yards of room, uh, and still nobody caught him. Now that was Rutgers, but um, point point remains. Uh, and Trey Edmonds, too, being an experienced backup uh, who runs with a little bit of power uh, and has experience playing uh, in big games against really good run defenses and, and doing fairly well. Um, obviously, things didn't work quite well for him uh, at the end of his career, but I think there's depth. And once Wes Brown comes back, uh, there, there should be enough options that if one guy's not going, uh, one of the other two or three or four should be going, and it should work out pretty well. And West Brown will be healthy for the bruising portion of the schedule, which is the Big Ten bit. And he won't be, Absolutely. I guess, won't have as much tread on his tires for these three games that Maryland is going to be favored in. Uh, Ryan, quickly, your thoughts on the running backs and then the wide receiving core, because there's a lot of talent there. There are a lot of big names there. And then William Likely's listed on the two deep, which, you know what? I'm all for using William Likely as much as possible. But it's just a bit surprising to see him there. So start with the running backs, and then let's get into the wide receiving core, which has, I think, my personal favorite player this year, the one I'm most excited about. But go on, start with the running backs, and then we can move on to wide receivers. Sure thing. Well, just like Alex said, we're not going to see just one quarterback in the season opener against Howard. We're not going to see just two or just three running backs. I imagine Ty Johnson, Trey Edmonds, Kenneth Goins, Jake Funk, and Lorenzo Harrison are all going to get a couple carries at least. Um, because this is it's it's going to be somewhat of a blowout, of course. And, somewhat. Uh, yeah, I know. It, it will. But like, um, so you know, carries. There's going to be plenty of carries to go around, especially in such in like such a fast-paced offense where guys are going to tie out a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I think Ty Johnson was like I probably repeating Alex here, but Ty Johnson was kind of the guy who I was most excited to see in the spring game, which obviously don't evaluate like anything on a spring game kind of but um you know he had another like 40 yard touchdown run and he's just so fast and that's like that's just exciting not like you know Brandon Ross was good and solid but Ty Johnson is like is it's just it's just a different element like that kind of speed is exciting and you know Maryland football hasn't exactly been that exciting recently um and then Dave's left fair um I think uh, at wide receiver, again, it's, uh, you know, DJ Moore, I imagine, will be the team's best receiver again. Um, he was really good last I'm season. I'm so excited to watch him this year. Um, and it's, it is like, it is a little bit interesting that you have Malcolm Comer and then 
the third as the other starter, and then the third starter is either DeAndre Lane or Will Likely. I think it'll end up being DeAndre Lane, but um, it, that basically is just to show that Will Likely is definitely going to play some offense. Um, the big thing that's exciting about wide receiver, just like running back, is you have, I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You have like eight guys who all seem pretty capable back there, and that'll be that'll be pretty exciting when the team lines up in like four wide receiver stats and you know spreads the ball out enough where guys are going to have some space and seems like that'll be exciting. I mean, there isn't a Stefan Diggs caliber talent in there, but there's a lot of very right. good and very solid D1 and, players, and that's and, more than what we yeah. could have said in past years, and that's what and makes it very exciting. One thing that this group obviously is unproven for a variety of reasons, but one of those reasons is that because of because Maryland's quarterback play was so poor last year and because their offense was just engineered in such a kind of backwards kind of way where they just focused on the pass game like way too much, like you didn't really get to see what the wide receivers could do. And that'll be like, I just feel like none of these guys have been properly evaluated yet. And this will be hopefully the chance to do that, even though a lot of the passes are going to be, you know, short and screen passes. But then again, that kind of opens it up when they have so much speed, they have some game breaking ability. You don't want to necessarily throw the ball deep with a quarterback that doesn't have the strongest arm in the world. Let them do their stuff. You know, I think we're going to see a lot more of the short passing that, you know, Perry Hills is decent at, as most D1 quarterbacks probably are. Uh, Thomas, your thoughts on, on some of these skill position players as well as, I guess, how much are we going to see Will Likely on offense this year? Because last year we saw it in fits and spurts. I get the sense, because this is DJ Durkin and Walt Bell, that we're going to see him a lot more and we're going to see him in some pretty crazy ways, which is very exciting because most of last year, as I said, we spent a lot of time saying, use Will Likely on offense. And now I think it just took another coaching staff, but people are listening to us. It's fun. Yeah, I mean, that's always great when coaches take our advice from the couch. They you know? shouldn't, they that's, shouldn't, that's but they are. Thing. It's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, obviously Will Likely is, you know, the best game-breaker kind of guy that Maryland has. And it would be foolish to not at least experiment, you know, see if he can, you know, handle wide receiver, um, see if he can make plays, like, maybe out of the backfield on some options or whatnot. Um, the receiving core is, you know, crazy deep with, you know, DJ Moore, uh, Comer, DeAndre Lane, they're going to be starting. Um, Laverne Jacobs off the bench. We're not going to see Avon Jacobs in this one. Um, you know, Davenport down the line. And, you know, there's just so much with Tino Ellis, you know, naming guys anywhere. But um, I'd be interested to see the tight ends this year, mm -hmm. uh, see if Avery Edwards um, really gets into this act. Because we're talking about all these wide receivers and all the depth there. But, you know, that does lead off, uh, leave off uh, Edwards. Yes. Well, he's co-listed as a starter with Derek Hayward, who's much more of a blocker. And I joked for a couple of years that the tight end really didn't exist aside from blocking for the Terps. It was not an option when Matt Furstenberg left and then up until Avery Edwards. And we saw it a bit last year. He'll be another option in the passing game. So in more passing-oriented situations, you'll see Avery Edwards lining up. And in more run-oriented situations, which we'll see, of course, plenty bit, you'll see Derek Hayward or Andrew What's Isaac. the situation, Thomas, with, with Tavon Jacobs? I think um, he's injured. He, I, yeah, he's just, well, like, Durkin hasn't been too specific with, uh, like, describing it, I don't think. But he's been, he's been on the sidelines in full pads, but hasn't been working out with the rest of the team. 
And okay. Durgan's been generally saying that he's close to returning, like since camp started. Um, I looks like they're holding him out of this one there. That makes sense. It's not a game where you really want to be yeah, risking the same anybody. Kind of thing they're doing with Caleb Rowe. I Both think- Jacobs and Rowe. They've been saying, "Yeah, no, they'll be fine. They'll be fine." And you know, they're not. We're not going to see them. In this game. I don't think we see either until after the bye week. But that's just again, the first three games are not going to be games where Maryland is going to be hugely tested. So I don't think they need to risk anybody then. Uh, Alex, I want to get your thoughts on the offensive line. One of the biggest things that happened when Maryland transitioned from the ACC to the Big Ten is they got a Big Ten offensive line. And last year, it was a lot better. Again, Maryland had bad quarterback play, so some of that was hidden a bit uh, amongst the sacks and the negative yardage, et cetera. But now, it's one of the strongest units on the team, and it looks like a Big Ten offensive line. And that means a lot of good things, especially for a team that's going to run the ball a lot more. And it means the quarterbacks aren't going to be on their rear end as much when they have to go up against the ridiculousness of the defense uh, of the uh, defenses of Ohio State and Michigan and the like later down the line. Uh, it is interesting. And the, the thing that's funny is that Maryland has, for the last couple of years, been recruiting at an elite level on the offensive line. I mean, it makes kind of no sense, but Maryland's been recruiting offensive linemen um, at the kind of level where if they recruited that way for everybody else, they'd be a national championship contender. I mean, they really have, um, <laughs> starting with, with Damian Prince, who is five stars in um, I'm terrible. This will be his third year in the program. So He's a soft. Yeah, I think it was 2014, the 14. first year in the Big Ten. Yeah, because he, he redshirted his, uh, his first year. He's listed as a sophomore, so yeah. Um, and a couple of other guys as well. Um, Derwin Gray, who is a backup. Um, Quavez Boulware, who's a backup on, on the two deep. Um, Terrence Davis, who's a backup as a true freshman. Richard Merritt. Uh, so they, they've really recruited, and obviously in, in the 2017 class, um, getting four-star Marcus Minor the other day, and they already had Jordan McNair. I'm, I'm getting to a point here that Maryland's recruited a ton of offensive linemen, um, but now the the punchline is that I wouldn't punchline maybe is unfair to me to say either. Um, but the interesting thing is that this offensive line is going to start three walk-ons this week. Uh, Michael Dunn, the left tackle, who is really solid and has been for a few years. Mike Minter, who won the job out of camp last year and then got hurt, barely played. Uh, and Maurice Shelton, who's kind of come from nowhere to to be a starter as a senior, uh, lettered for the first time last year, and and really seems to be uh, kind of a favorite uh, of of Dave Borbley and, and Maryland staff. So there's a ton of talent on that offensive line. Is it a good thing that it's been beaten out by by veteran walk-ons, or is it a bad thing? I mean, we'll we'll sort of find out. Um, I lean toward not worrying about it too much, but it's it's an interesting deal. Well, compared to where Maryland's offensive line was a few years ago to where it is now, it really is kind of night and day, even though I don't think we've necessarily seen the benefits of it because of bad quarterback play and the like. But I think this is the kind of year we're going to see it, maybe a little bit more than we have in past years. Yeah, I think I think the line took a pretty significant step forward last year uh, and probably will again for the next year or two or three um, and, and for as long as they can keep recruiting. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of skill here. Uh, I know Brendan Moore has been someone they've raved about for a while. So so we'll see how it plays out. But I don't think that the offensive line is going to be why Maryland struggles if Maryland struggles. And it's pretty young. I mean, Dunn is a senior and Shelton's a senior. But other than that, I mean, they're pretty young at the offensive line. Like in the past years, they've lost quite a bit of talent from those positions. And this year, I mean, you, you're going to lose two starters. But in theory, they've got the depth to deal with it in the future. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no doubt. So let's now transition, Ryan, to the defense where it is going to be very interesting. Of course, DJ Durkin is a defensive coach, and 
for the last couple of years, Maryland's defense did not do many things well. The one thing it did do really well was rush the passer, which is kind of ironic considering the pro team I root for, but that's neither here nor there now that there is a Maryland alum on that defensive line. Anyway, this front four, as we're going to see, although we can see them play 4-3-3, 4-2-5 at many times, that's what they have listed. Uh, there is still a bunch of talent. It's a very veteran-laden group. And Jesse Anibonum is still very good. You have Kings Leopard at the nose tackle. Roman Braglio is a senior. There's a lot of good talent at this position. And uh, even though Maryland's been losing a lot of it lately, as we've seen in the past couple of years, uh, there's still plenty of it. And that's one of the re areas on this team that has been consistently strong and is going to be consistently strong this year as well. Yeah, I think they're going to do a pretty good job of sort of reloading on the defensive line. Um, Quentin Jefferson and Yannick Ngakwe were obviously big losses. But Jesse Anabonum, from all accounts, has just been like the talk of camp. Everyone loves him. And he should be able to replace at least a chunk of Yannick Ngakwe's uh, talent. I think, you know, don't don't expect him to just go out and, you know, top Ngakwe's, you know, single-season sack record. But he doesn't need that to do to be effective. And at his position, he'll be doing a little bit more at the buck, which is like a defend a combo between the defensive line and linebacker. Basically, he'll be defending the pass a little bit, but still more pass rushing is going to be his, his responsibility. Um, Come but, a team now, folks, that is going to be referring to uh, its positions in a, a very jargony way on a yes. step chart. Um, so they're not going to list a lot of guys – um, well, I mean, you know, they will, but but not verbatim as defensive end or defensive tackle or outside linebacker or what have you. Uh, Maryland's going to play a ton of sub packages this year, uh, and Jesse Anabonum is the starting buck. It looks like with Melvin uh, Melvin Kane behind him, the buck, like Ryan mentioned, you can kind of stand up or you can put your hand on the ground and you can play that way, and it's kind of a pass rushing position. Um, the Sam and the Will linebackers, that strong side and weak side. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, the Mike is the middle, and that's Jermaine Carter. Um, but I have I have always taken stands against teams mm -hmm. labeling these things in the depth chart in the past. However, I think I've come around to it because it's more descriptive. Um, so that is just a, a change that we should be aware of for Maryland is that they kind of specialize their roles on defense a bit more uh, than they used to under Andy Edsel when it was really just ends and tackles and guys played inside and out, and it was that way. I think it, will, yeah. it makes a lot more sense considering DJ Durkin is just this – He's going to go with some more complicated and crazy looks on defense. And you know he's got a lot of input there, of course. So I, I feel like I like this specialization because in the past, Maryland's looks were very vanilla. You know, there wasn't a lot of intrigue. There wasn't a lot of mixing and match. There wasn't a lot of, you know, the wizardry to it. And I think there's going to be a lot more this year. But uh, I want to get to, I'm going to let Thomas in on this discussion. We've talked a lot about the front four, and we, and we will continue to. But uh, let's talk about Jermaine Carter because... Everybody wants to talk about Will Likely as one of Maryland's best players, and he is. But Jermaine Carter is unheralded for how good he is. He is a tackle machine. He gets so much action, and he is fantastic. He's one of the few players that could conceivably jump to the NFL after this year and leave the program early, and that would be a shame because he's really, really good. And I think maybe this year we're going to see people appreciate him more for what he does, because in the years past, you had Ngakwe and Likely who did the flashy stuff and Carter did basically everything else. But now, Jermaine Carter, I think, is going to get a lot more... I think he's going to get a lot more publicity for what he does this year, and that's needed because he's incredibly good. Yeah, I mean, last year, Jermaine Carter had 14 tackles for loss, and 
Yannick Ngakwe, who got all the press because he got sacks, only had 14 and a half tackles for loss. So, I mean, Jermaine Carter is fantastic, and he will continue to be so. Um, yeah, great know. player. Future NFL yeah. player, I would think. I, I, that's what yeah. I said. Like, I could conceivably see him jumping to the NFL after this year. And if he plays the way we think he can, I would not be shocked in any way if that happens. But continue. Yeah, Thomas. definitely. I mean, obviously, we'll have to, you know, see how all that plays out. Um, I think it's interesting. Uh, you know, we don't know too much about uh, Shane Cockrell at linebacker, but, um, you know, people have been saying good things about him in camp. Um, I think you might see a rotation of the guys yeah. who are going to play next to when they're in the nickel, um, when they have a, a weak side linebacker next to Carter. I think you're going to see rotation. I think Jalen Brooks will play a bunch. Um, mm-hmm. I think you'll probably see some Melvin Kane there uh, and Cockrell, and maybe even Antoine Brooks, who's a freshman. There's a lot of mixing and yeah, matching have... in that position, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think I mean, going to be a lot. They all, Durkin loves the idea of mixing and matching and versatility because he says when you know, you're able to do that, when you're able to play guys in a lot of different places, um, you know, you're able to face more kinds of teams and play more kinds of styles. And it's just, you know, that's everything you want. And in the Big Ten, you're going to be facing a bunch of different kinds of styles, and that's going to help out Maryland. I guess, Alex, I mean, I guess this is maybe the position where there's the least amount of depth, in air quotes, so to speak. But with the top-end talent, and considering Maryland is going to use a lot of five defensive back sets, as we see as they listed nickel on the two-deep, I don't think it's going to be that much of a concern with the depth there, especially, as you mentioned, because Jesse Annabonum or Melvin Kane or players like that are going to drop more into pass coverage, keep their hands down at times. Uh, yeah, I would actually even say safety is probably the position where they have the least depth. They have a career zero starts at both safety positions. Good point. Good point. And for the most part, guys who haven't even been primary backups at their safety positions. Uh, but, yeah, point taken. Um, I, think, I think they're going to be okay. I, mean, I look at this depth chart. And I don't see any one spot uh, that really bugs me. Um, I do think the defense is going to be probably worse than the offense, so I think the cornerbacks are great. Um, but I just think in general there's a lot more returning production that's reliable on offense. Um, so I think Maryland's going to have to win some shootouts. I, I think that of the six or so games that they'll win, they'll have to score a lot of points in those games. Well, that means it's going to be more fun for us, or much more fun for the broadcasters. Uh, let's get to the corn, uh, the secondary, Ryan, and... For a while, we talked about it as being Will Likely and then a bunch of other dudes. Now it's Will Likely, J.C. Jackson, and a bunch of other dudes. And the good news is that J.C. Jackson is a sophomore, so Maryland's going to get more years out of him, and Will Likely's going to leave after this year, of course, because he's a senior. So those two aren't the concern. It's beyond that where there are issues. And, yes, Tino Ellis is listed on the depth chart as a backup corner, and Jake Funk is listed as a backup on the safety two deep. So there is definitely concerns about depth and production at those positions, and that is a bit concerning because there are very good offenses that can go deep in the Big Ten, and particularly in the Big Ten East. Yeah, I mean, I think one, um, you know, we'll get into the rest later, but definitely having J.C. Jackson kind of, that like really amps up what Durkin wants to do because he likes to he likes his corners to be able to play press coverage and he used to be working with sort of Will Likely and then you don't know who else. But now you're going to have Likely and Jackson. But uh, Likely actually, like during the scrimmage especially, and then confirmed on the depth chart, he Likely was playing pretty much exclusively nickel corner. And Alvin Hill was playing on the outside a lot. And Hill's kind of an interesting guy because he had a starting spot pretty much all locked up, what, like Alex might go to help two years ago. 
and yeah. then he got hurt. And then last year was sort of in an in-between spot where, uh, you know, Sean Davis and likely kind of had the corner spots locked down and Hill didn't see a lot of playing time. But uh, clearly he impressed DJ Durkin early because uh, he's been going to, like, they, they played nickel. They played nickel the entire scrimmage that I saw, which, you know, it's a scrimmage in fall camp. So take that from I mean, I think that's, one of the things that Andy Bew has mentioned uh, is that Maryland's defense is going to spend a lot of time uh, with one high safety, mm-hmm. which probably means, uh, well, it certainly means one safety in the box defending the run, um, and probably three cornerbacks, too, playing the press. So you really need guys who can stop receivers one-on-one. Uh, I think we're going to find that J.C. Jackson is one of those guys. So having him is is, is really a game-changer for Maryland. Right? I think he he's going to save them a couple points a game just by existing um, and being able to kind of negate what, what otherwise was a pretty significant weak spot. Oh, that that's true. And I, I have a I, feeling a lot of people are going to love J.C. Jackson via I, eventually. It might not happen immediately because they're not facing the offenses where it's going to be that much of a concern, but eventually I think people are going to learn to love J.C. Jackson as much as I think the coaches have and some of us have, and it's been like, oh, he is the savior. And, you know, you figure he's going to be leading this secondary for a number of years to come because he is only a sophomore. And well, he actually could, in theory, um, go to the NFL whenever he wants. I think yeah, he's, he's been out of three years. He's been out. This would be his third year, I think. Also, yeah, I so if he, if it, I, after this year, will have been out of high school for three years. So if he's if he's great, um, you know, you never know. But but let's focus on I, not we can focus wherever yes. we want. Um, I'm sure he's focused on this year. Of course, he is. Um, also, I you know don't want to skip over the safeties either, and I think uh, Darnell Savage is sort of an interesting story because he was he was essentially for a while looked like he'd be will likely's heir at corner and i say heir and very much quotation marks i just mean like he was going to be the team's next starting corner um and because he he filled in for likely a little bit last year when likely started playing more on offense and when he was hurt um but this year they switched him to safety which uh apparently he's been taking well to in practice of course you know They'd obviously they wouldn't say anything bad about him, but seems like he ha- seems like he has because he's the starter and um, he's you know I imagine he'll be the in the one high safety I imagine it he's the high safety and Denzel Conyers is in the box because Conyers originally was sort of a you know in between linebacker and safety to begin with so he seems like he'd be more effective against the run and Savage as a corner seems like he'd be a great guy especially yeah. if you know running a lot of cover three and he has the middle portion of the field you know you probably want a cornerback who has a lot who has a little bit more experience defending the pass and I think those two are pretty well suited for those roles if they're if the one high if Savage is actually the guy who spends all, most, almost all his time as the one high safety and they're not as interchangeable mm-hmm. but because uh, Josh Woods seemed like for a while that he was going to be it was going to be Savage and Woods because Woods just was getting all the press which is sort of one of the only ways you you can evaluate some of these things. But uh, clearly they liked Conyers at least, or he made a push at the end. And Conyers is the starter. So, Thomas, I'm now going to go to you on the most important position talk on this podcast, punting. Because you can't be a good Big Ten team without punting. And Maryland last year was terrible at punting. So you know how you fix that? 27-year-old Aussie punter. It's amazing. So Maryland's Australian quotient has not lessened at all. Hell, that unfortunately, uh, they lost amazing Australian kickers, and now they have amazing Australian punters. 
He might be 28, just for the he record. But go ahead, Thomas. Why, how do we not know yeah. this? Well, do I don't know, but I, 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 I don't think Maryland doesn't lose yeah. birthdays, and I haven't I haven't asked him. Um, that'll be something for something for the future. Oh, that's a story we need to do immediately, figuring out <laughs> his age. Anyway, Thomas, punting very important in the Big Ten. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, we saw with uh, Michigan last year, it can uh, it can cost you ball games. Um, that's the most big. But yeah, I ever. think. That punter was Australian, by the way. Yeah, I know. We have to embrace this conference. He is friends with, with Wade Lease. I know uh, that for a fact. It all well, comes back. The Australian punters, are, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty close fraternity. I would think so. Anyway, Thomas, sorry yeah, about that. I, you know, with Lees and Pritchard, I think, uh, you know, they can't be much worse. That's all I really have to say about the punting. Oh, it was unbelievable last year. I mean, it was a low-key thing that, I don't think was focused on enough was just how awful Maryland was at punting. Um, now they also punted with their arms quite a bit, if you will. But um, yep, yeah, in and that's true. why we didn't talk about how bad they were at punting with their legs. Yeah, in true Big Ten fashion, hundred percent right. I mean, Maryland's punting would have probably gotten more attention for being as bad as it was if they hadn't been throwing the ball to the other team instead of punting it to the other team. Yeah, uh, what a great day. And Adam Green is now the kicker now that uh, Brad Craddock is no longer here. And Craddock was an incredibly good college kicker. And Green, we saw time after Craddock was injured. He's going to be okay, but I think we're going to see much more college kickerness than we saw with, with Craddock, which is a bit of a shame. But, you know, it, it's, it's college kicking. It's an inexact science. So... Now that we've gone through the entire two deep and the entirety of the roster, we now get to look at the games where Maryland is going to be playing. Alex has already given you a hint as to what his record prediction is. We will get to ours in a bit. Uh, the schedule for Maryland starts out incredibly light, as we've talked about ad nauseum here, and we'll talk about again. Uh, then it gets difficult, but not terribly so. And then you get into November, and it becomes basically death. So Maryland is going to be winning games. If they're winning games, they're going to be winning them early and building up a cushion before it gets very difficult towards the end. So I, I don't want to talk about the games that we think Maryland's going to win. You know, the four, I think their first four games they'll be favored, and in, in all likelihood they should win all of them. I think uh, That's tough to say that they will. Yeah, I think they're going to win all of them. I do. I think they're going to be, if you, if you ask about each individual game, I think they got at least like a 64% chance, according to, to S&P, um, to win those games. But the odds of winning all of them are a little lower. I, I I'd peg it somewhere around 50%, maybe a little below that they actually go 4-0. I think 3-1 and one is, is also fairly possible. It is fairly possible, but I'm going to take the optimistic streak and say that they're going to win all of them because if you look at the teams individually, they should be beating every single one of them. I mean, I know two of them are road games, but one of them is FIU, who is a bad CUSA team, and UCF was I mean, and Central Florida is pretty bad, too. They just went 0-12, uh, yeah, and I, I doubt Scott Frost is going to turn that boat completely around in the first month, but the two um, tricky things about those are that the road games and road games that has mostly Maryland the same roster. So I think we might be overselling the degree to which Maryland um, will roll here, but I, I agree. They should win a good number of games early. And then, you know, you play Michigan, Ohio state, Nebraska, Michigan state in a four out of five game stretch. You'll, you'll go, you'll lose all four of those <laughs> oh, games. Of and that'll be where it gets. Yes. Of course. But I want to now talk about the three games in which they are going to, I wouldn't say they're toss ups, but they're games that Maryland could definitely win on their day. And that is where, if the most optimistic record prediction you'll see from anybody, basically, is seven and five. So these are the if Maryland wins their first four games, as many of us expect them to, and hopefully they will. Uh, the three games where they could make some hay, and then that would propel them into bowl eligibility. Alex are Minnesota at home, which is October the fifteenth, 
then Indiana on the road, which is going to be trickier than it sounds because normally we assume Indiana is bad all the time, and they're not. They can score. They can definitely I, they, score. Well, it'll be fun. It'll be a ton of offense in that game. That game's on the road. And then Rutgers at home in the last game of the regular season. Hopefully it does not go like the Rutgers game two years ago. Uh, that game shall never be spoken to again. So when you look at those three games, and I think those are the games where Maryland's going to be a little bit more on its level in terms of teams, you know, beyond the, the Penn States and everybody else. And those are games where I'm saying if you're going to get to six and six, you win two of them. Two of the games are at home. I think that's entirely reasonable that they can win two out of three of them. Even if they lose one of them at home and beat Indiana on the road, that's not entirely infeasible either. Yeah, I think I think they can get there. Um, I, I think five and seven is pretty possible too. I, I just it depends on if they start three and one or if they start four and zero. Oh. I think if they start four and zero, oh, they will get to six wins. I think they'll probably be able to beat Rutgers at home, and then you, you'd like their chances to get one between like Indiana, Minnesota, and Penn State. Probably not Penn State, to be honest. Uh, uh, I'm I'm gonna keep my mind open and hope because that would be absolutely hilarious if Maryland went in there and won two times in a row. The record uh, for six and six, right but on the low side, it. maybe five and seven. Who knows? Something uh, like that. I, Ryan, I think that Penn State's a game that's a little bit more out of the realm of possibility as opposed to Indiana and then the other games that we mentioned. But if they can start out hot, and as we've said before, all of the games individually Maryland will be favored in, and they should be able to win all four of them, even though there's a lot of transition with a new coaching staff. The potential to get to 6-6, six and six, and because Howard's in there, I don't think that's quite bowl eligibility, but considering there's a bajillion bowl games, it probably will end up being bowl eligibility. 6-6 six and six is not a bad start for the DJ Durkin era by any stretch of the imagination. Well, first off, if they get to six wins, they're going to a bowl game. It doesn't matter if, our, if Howard is an FCS I thought opponent. the rule was, I thought the rule was yeah, six, Alex? non- is that, is that true? And, and it would be shocking for any 6-6 six and six team to not make a bowl game, particularly yeah. one from the Big Ten. That's true. Um, and then, yes, I think, uh, I mean, 6-6, six and six, making a bowl game in DJ Durkin's first season, that is like a total, like, definite win for DJ. That's just like, I, I want to say, not necessarily best case scenario, but like pretty much, like, if you're DJ Durkin and you, you know, you inherit a 3-9 and nine team and then take it to a bowl game, that... You, you look like big man. East. You essentially, yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, especially you know, because you get a lot of recruits early. But you'd say you go like three and nine again, then you know those recruits could start questioning whether they want to stay at Maryland. If you go six and six, which you know is only six and six, it's not that great. But uh, that that could definitely reassure a lot of recruits and just a lot of the fans that uh, you know he has the program going in in the right direction, even if uh, like. You know the schedule. Like the schedule, obviously, is easier this season, and it, the the path to six wins is, you know, you, you can obviously see where it would be. I I personally think they probably just end up at five and seven again. Um, but you know, five and seven doesn't sound that bad after it's last an year. Improve, it's an improvement. Uh, Thomas, I I think I want to get on that point with recruiting, and mainly because the recruiting momentum is so strong. But everybody, including us here, have been talking about how you got to pump the brakes a bit because DJ Durkin is still 0-0 zero zero as a coach. And I'm wondering personally, at what point would you start worrying about recruiting momentum? What record would that be? If you get to 6-6 six and six and you make a bowl game, it's great, fantastic. Uh, do you think that there's credence to that, or is that just, you know, it's the summer and we have too much time to speculate over this stuff? 
I think it's it's the summer we have too much time to speculate. Um, all these kids seem to be super in. It wasn't, you know, when the last the last time they tried the movement uh, with that that bullish quarterback, um, you know, it, he, he said well he done, was going to well you know, recruit all these other kids. He said he was going to recruit all these other kids to join him, and I guess not enough did. But I don't know who the ringleader was this time, but they're all, you know, in it together. So, and I don't see all of them leaving together. So, I mean, I do think that maybe two and like, ten the chances of at least one or two kids reason to worry decommitting will. I mean, it'll happen. It happens to most teams, yeah. and it happens to Alabama. Um, but I don't think you're going to see a recruiting disaster on the order of what happened uh, just after Durkin was hired last year. That seems pretty unlikely with this staff in place. Yeah, I, I think that that's absolutely reasonable to expect. So a couple of quick hitting questions before we go. The first question is, I guess, we've already talked about it, but the best case record scenario for Maryland, Alex, is what? Best case, absolute pie in the sky, we're in dreamland, best case scenario. Seven and five. I, I think it's pretty close to impossible that they'd do better than seven and five. I think eight and four in some universe is possible, <laughs> but I doubt it's a universe that is anywhere near going to be the actual universe. But Stretches think, the imagination a bit. Um, eight and four is the outer realm of feasibility. Beyond that, yeah, it's, it's not maybe not yeah. totally impossible, but I I think I think if they if they got to seven and five, uh, you you'd have We'd to. We'd all be doing hat for, dances basically. So uh, now for Ryan, who is the player, uh, outside of, I guess, the obvious, who, what player that's a bit more not talked about as much or underreported, I guess, so to speak, is the one you're most excited about watching and who could be a bigger breakout star this year? I think definitely Jesse Annabona. Um, he was one of the four-star recruit from Good Counsel, which, you know, take as many of those as you can get. And he has sort of been learning behind Yannick Ngakwe for a couple of years and we haven't really got to talk to him so far in the preseason, but everyone, he's been the number one guy everyone's talked about. And uh, this new buck position, what, regardless whether he would, if he was even just playing a defensive line position, he seems like he's fast, he's just talented, and uh, I, like, I, I haven't got to see really what he's capable of yet. So he's definitely, he's definitely my guy to watch. Mm-hmm. And now Thomas... What game are you most excited to watch this year? It could even be Ohio State, where Maryland will probably lose by 50. But what game are you most excited about for Maryland football this season? I actually think i got to go with Penn State, because that'll be mm-hmm. really Durkin's first big test. It'll be his first big-time road test, um, considering what happened when they played two years ago and how close last year's game was. And, you know, the fact that this is... I don't know. This is a rivalry I kind of want to happen instead of the one with Rutgers, but you know. Oh, if, if they play I'm not talking about the game, Rutgers thing. I'm not talking about that. Embrace Rutgers. It. Embrace it. I am not embracing it for many reasons, which I will explain in the future. Embrace yeah, it. If Maryland plays Penn State close, it's going to be wild. Well, they played them close last year when they had no business playing them close, mm-hmm. but that's because Christian Hackett And they played them close terrible. two years ago when they beat them. We talk derisively sometimes about Penn State, and I, I, I overrated them last year, so maybe I'm doing it again. Uh, but that's a pretty good team for me. I mean, they have Saquon Barkley at running back, uh, which might really be all you need. Now, I don't know if the mm-hmm. offensive line will be any better, but I imagine it will be. Um, plus, like, three really good receivers, too, and, and a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely a good team. But they're, they're good. Um, Maryland you know, I don't know if their defense well. was dominant, but they're good. Uh, they're going to be a toughie. If Maryland mm-hmm. can beat them, 
um, then I, I really think you have to start talking about, do you want gold? Do you want bronze, silver for the <laughs> statue that you'll be building? Oh, uh, I was about PJ to say, if, if they beat Penn State this year, they're going to start building the statue in front of the new Colts Fieldhouse. I can already imagine it. So I guess the final big question, and then we'll talk briefly about the Howard game, is record predictions. Alex, I know you already posted on Twitter what yours is, but repeat it. And you've kind of already said it now. Definitely have said it, but six and six. Six and six. Ryan, I think you, you already said it too, but you, you think five and seven? I, I do. I'm probably going to switch between five and – wait, well, well, I'll write this down in stone at some point, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go five and seven for now. But five, it's, it's five, or six, five and seven or six and six. I, I, I have a hard time seeing them not do anything else. Thomas? I've been kind of in on six and six for a while. Um, just looking at the early schedule and thinking they can pick off a couple more. I, I think – the record, the magazines, the college football magazines have been saying five and seven. I'm going to go with six and six because I think they win their first four and then they beat two of Indiana, Minnesota, and Rutgers. Winning all three, again, is in theory possible. I don't think it happens, but I, I believe it is very feasible. And six and six with a mediocre bowl game, who cares after the last year? Doesn't really matter. I think that everybody in Boulder Barrel of football would be. Stanford again. We do have also the backing for those of us in the six and six camp um, of Bill Connolly. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's a good who, person numbers, to have backing you. Whose computers suggest uh, that Maryland is, is going to win 5.9 games. That I will six. round that. Um, and we, we'll go ahead. And I, I think it's, I think it's just, I think the likeliest number is six wins. I think the chances are maybe like 40% they'll win six and 35% they'll win five. And then like a couple on the margins, they'll win four or seven or uh, I think et cetera, it is et 99% likely they win somewhere between five and seven. That's how it probably ends up between five and six, but I think it's 99% likely that they win somewhere in that. So quickly, the yeah, Howard game, yeah. what do you want to see on Saturday from the team? They're going to win by a bajillion, obviously, but what do you want to see from them on Saturday uh, in terms of going forward uh, for the season ahead? Uh, don't, throw any, don't throw any interceptions to this FCS team that went, Because I think they threw one, one to Richmond or multiple um, ones one, to Richmond well, last year. One in ten and lost to BC by seventy six. Yeah, so don't 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 throw any. <laughs> really, I can't stress this enough. Don't throw any interceptions, um, <laughs> or or turn the ball over against said oh. yes team that gave up seventy six points to Boston College. <laughs> I think that's reasonable, Ryan. <laughs> um, it's it's tough because it's weird. It's it's almost weird evaluating things against a team like Howard. But um, I'd like to see just really, like, shut down defense. Like, just, I mean, BC shut them out last year. And, you know, if they give up a touch, one touchdown, I think that's fine. But I'd like to see them just, like, really clamp down and just, like, I'd like to see something from the defensive line and just to see, like, the cornerbacks really just not let the receivers get open at all. Because I don't I, think they really clamped down on Richmond. I think they scored 17 last year, which was a bit of a problem. And Thomas, this is going to be your first game covering Maryland football, so what are you most excited about? What do you want to see them do? I want to see if they can cover that, like, what is it, 48-and-a-half point spread? <laughs> I, you have to be, be some sort of degenerate of to be fourth. betting on a Howard-Maryland game. I mean, well, if they're, they're actually good. Be betting on, I won't be betting on it, but, you know, it's Obviously, how you, you're not, but... you know. Obviously, you're not going to be betting on it, but I, I'd say you'd have to be some yeah, sort no, of degenerate you, like, to do that. Yeah, that was that was a British sports book that posted that number. The American sports books have actually not uh, haven't even put action on that game yet, which is what pretty. What British okay. sports book is it? Ladbrokes? 
I no, I, I forget what it was. <laughs> so they, but... ha they have to have better things to do than that. I follow enough soccer to know that there's got to be some random international game that they care about way more yeah, than how they, they have odds. They have odds on everything. I, I know uh, they do, I, but I, 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 I wrote a story about how they make odds on esports. Man, if they do esports, they're going to be doing Maryland Howard. Oh, yeah, that's, that's strange. Anyway, and we wish Howard well. They, yes, they are we probably do. good folks. They're they're nice guys. And, um, yes. And they're I do have no payday. pleasure from talking about how bad they are, but yeah, and they're, they're getting probably a good payday. Of course, Alex, mm -hmm. you did a lot of reporting on that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So quickly, at the end of the show, we will say, now that the football season is back, we are going to be returning to weekly podcasts, which you will normally hear on Tuesdays or Wednesdays, where we will do what we usually do. We'll talk about the game before and preview the upcoming game and go through any major storylines. Us three, us three, us four, sorry, Thomas, will all be around talking about it, and we'll potentially have guests here and then throughout the season. But this is going to be an exciting Maryland football season, even though I'm not there, and it's a shame I'm not, because I went so many football games as a student, even though I covered one in my time there. Uh, I'm always excited for Maryland football, and I know all of you are as well who are listening and reading the site. So, Alex, happy football season. I can't believe it's already back. It's, it's the best. What a thrill. We're going to be busy around these parts. I like oh, it. Yeah. It's great fun to be busy. It's great fun to have something to talk about all the time. And, Ryan, I mean, just in general, having college football back is fantastic. Oh, I'm, I'm extremely excited. It has been a long offseason. I I was not the biggest college football fan when I was growing up. I've become a much bigger college football fan now, and it's going to be fun. And Thomas, covering football is a lot different than watching it as a fan, but it's still equally fun, and the press box at Maryland Stadium is very nice. Hopefully they give you good food. It could be Chick-fil-A, Sabaro, or Sardi's. It's going to be one of those three, actually. A conference play to get the really good stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's too bad at the uh, at M&T Bank Stadium, Thomas. If they ever play there, when after well, you got FedEx, he's got it's, FedEx it's Field his senior year. I've said FedEx before the best in the Big Ten is at Penn State, and I stand by it. Well, I will be making that trip this year. So the food at Iowa was pretty good. I'll Missed say that. that. I oh, liked it. can't imagine many people made that trip. All right, I uh, did. I did. See you guys later. Yes, we will. Okay, thank yeah. you all for listening. Let's enjoy the season, and of course, no Terps.